Roll sound, Scotty. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! It's the Stinky Balls podcast with Scott and with Paul. Hello. Good afternoon. Second of our episodes in the afternoon. Lockdown. I can't keep calling them lockdown specials. The last three months they've all been lockdown specials, <laughs> haven't they? It's, it's, it's normality now, isn't well, it? Lockdown? This is as normal as it's been for a while. It's yes. good. It's good. We're still sitting opposite ends of a table within, within my social bubble. That still makes me laugh. I don't know why. <laughs> And we're here to talk about another movie from 73. We spoke about Badlands last week, last episode, 1973, Terence Malick movie. And I think it'd be fair to say that after discussing Badlands, I think we appreciated it more after talking to each yeah. other. Yeah, definitely. Than we initially it, thought. It's, it's not just what you see, it's what it makes you think afterwards and the, the thoughts it provokes. I was sort of watching it, and I was just thinking back now that while watching Badlands, I thought, oh, I've got no real intention of watching this for a little while. But now I want to I want to watch it again. Yeah. Because, because of the conversation we had. Thinking, yeah, yeah, that, that was a great movie. There was there was stuff in there that's still rattling about in my brain that hasn't been answered. So there's a lot of space to rattle around. There is a lot of space. I have my hair cut. I've got my lockdown hair is gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going back to 73 again, mate. Paper Moon, I chose this for you. You did. First time watch for you? Yes, it was. Did I warn you it was in black and white? You did tell oh, me right, it was okay. in black and white, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have definitely been questioning it. I think in 73? Mm. <laughs> but yes, you did warn me. But it's one of those... Well, we'll talk about what you thought of it, but it's, it's one of those great examples of a modern-day movie being filmed in black and white, like Eraserhead or The Elephant Man. And the Elephant Man really works in black and white, as far as I'm concerned, and Eraserhead. Uh, the Last Picture Show, or was it, was it The Artist, wasn't it? It was that silent movie from a few years ago, won Best Picture Oscar. Shaking your head in disbelief as if I'm making this shit up, aren't you? Look. Yeah, usually. It won Best Picture Oscar, Paul, about 10 I, years ago. I take a lot of note of Oscars. No, you don't, do you? That's the point. I forgot about it. <laughs> but yeah, it's just one of those great examples of, of a director electing to film you know a modern day movie in black and white and I don't know did it throw you I mean we're going to go into this properly but did it throw you at all that it was black and white and you're looking at a movie that was made in 1973 not at all okay so what we'll do let's play the trailer have you seen the trailer for this by the way no the trailer for this is really funny because what they do it doesn't really promote the film they show a lot of bloopers and outtakes oh okay from the movie so for you guys listening at home this might not make a great deal of sense because it looks like there's a lot of comedy. Well, there is a bit of comedy in this movie, but there's a lot of piss-taking on Ryan O'Neill's behalf towards Tatum O'Neill, obviously because they're real-life father and daughter in this movie, and Peter Bogdanovich laughing in the background. Take a listen to the trailer, or if not, go to YouTube and have a look. We'll be back after this anyway. See you in a minute. Out of the darkest days of the Depression comes the adventures of two unlikely con artists, Mose Prey and his companion, Addie Loggins. Uh-oh. I heard you was a bootlegger. No, no, sir. Not me, friend. Must be some mistake. 
Ryan O'Neill is Moe's prey. His most challenging film role. Keep rolling, I got it. Keep rolling. Tatum O'Neill, daughter of Ryan O'Neill, is Addie Loggins. Her very first film role. Howdy. Howdy. Get the phone. <laughs> Well, tell me, Jack, uh, what have you been doing with yourself? Last night I was invited over to Fred Allen's apartment for dinner. This oh, is Fred the Allen. Peter Bogdanovich production, Paper Moon. Or, as P.T. Barnum put it, there's a sucker born every minute. Yes? Afternoon, ma'am. I was wondering if Mr. Bates might be at home. Mr. Bates is dead. My name is Prey, Kansas Bible Company. I'm just here to deliver this Bible that Mr. Bates ordered. Bible? Bible? What kind of Bible? What company you say you're from? Just when you think you got it made. Just ain't made, is it? Say it's only a paper moon Sailing over a cardboard sea You crazy? Hey! Well, tell them that's the time you almost got thrown jail, Mistrix. Oh, my God. Stop them people. Hey, there's my language. Keep rolling. I got it. I'm going to hit him. Eat him, Jim. Don't go to Don't you go making the decisions. I make the decisions. All you got to do is look like a pretty little girl. Just because a man meets a woman in a bar room don't mean he's your pa. Eat your Coney Island. You don't have to worry. I ain't about to leave some poor little child stranded in the middle of nowhere. I got scruples too, you know. You know what that is, scruples? No, I don't know what it is, but if you got them, you sure bet they belong to somebody else. We ain't gonna make it. You're gonna ruin it, ain't you? Hang on! Don't miss this one. From the maker of The Last Picture Show and What's Up, Doc? You won't be sorry. Okay, Paul, that's Paper Moon, released in the USA, May the 9th, 1973, directed by Peter Bogdanovich, starring Ryan O'Neill, Tatum O'Neill, Madeline Kahn, John Hilleman, in two roles. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite Peter Sellers in Doctor Strange Love, but <laughs> definitely in two roles. The synopsis. Real-life father and daughter, Ryan and Tatum O'Neill, team up as slick con artists Moses Prey and Addie Loggins in 1930s Kansas. When Mose is unexpectedly saddled with getting the nine-year-old Addie to relatives in Missouri after the death of her mother, his attempt to dupe her out of her money backfires, and he's forced to take her on as a partner. Swindling their way through farm country, the pair are nearly done for by a burlesque dancer, Madeline Kahn, and an angry bootlegger. That sums it up. All right, see you next time. <laughs> I love this movie. Um, I will let you know. Let me know now. That's I need a, to know where we're going. First time watch. <laughs> I was all right before you reveal all. I was a bit worried that the black and white thing might put you off, but I think you can judge the tone of this movie from the start. You know, this is not serious. Yeah. So I'm thinking after about five, ten minutes, after the funeral scene, I think you're starting to get on board with it. I loved this film. Thank you. There we go. Oh, good. Okay, let's let's talk about Paper Moon then. <laughs> it, it's the, the black and white. Do you know what? I don't think I'd have loved this film as much if it was colour. Be, because mm. made in 73 but set so much earlier. 36, I think, is the... They used a special filter as well, 
mm-hmm. a, a red filter on a black and white film, which didn't make sense, but <laughs> makes it look older. It would have looked, I think, with a normal just filming of it in black and white, it looked too sharp. So you reckon they've gone for like a, they, as if it was filmed at that period? Yeah, that they put a filter on it to make it look older than it was, okay. which worked beautifully. Just the the story, the acting, the the comedy in it, it was just beautiful film. Had you heard of this before I mentioned it? I had. Yeah. Um, I didn't know anything about it. I obviously mm. knew of Ryan O'Neill and Tatum O'Neill. Yeah. I think it was just prior to this, Ryan O'Neill had done uh, What's Up Doc? Which was Peter Bogdanovich, Barbara wasn't it? Barbara Streisand. Yeah. 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 Which I've seen. Yeah. Which um, is another great sort of like Grubel comedy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely Grubel mm. comedy, yeah. Mm. It's another, going on from the film that we reviewed last time, mm. again, made in 73, but made to be an earlier date. Yeah, the mid-50s. Not quite yeah. so far back as this one. Mm. And again, a small cast. There's not many characters in where, this at all. Where it's yeah. been another road movie, mm-hmm. um, there's you get people in it for a minute or two, like when he's trying to sell his Bibles and whatever. Mm-hmm. But the actual main ensemble is it's just those two. It's the two, isn't it? A, yeah. And then a couple of tag-alongs with uh, brief- Madeline Kahn. Yeah. And then um, the John Hillerman thing as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and and we have to get John Hillerman out of the way because as soon as I saw his face... Did I'm, you go, oh, my God, Magnum? <laughs> I was like, where do I recognise that from? And I paused it on his face and I'm like, that looks like a slightly sort of... It looks a bit fatter. Um, yeah, and no uh, moustache. Yeah, and I was like... I'm sure that's Is he Higgins. Yeah, <laughs> a Magnum. And so there it was IMDb. I'm like, oh yeah, it was. And playing playing his brother and his brother. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. and it wasn't until I looked at the credits I saw he played both because the the one with the the bootlegger the, the bootlegger was quite dark scene, so you didn't get too clear a look yeah. at him. Yeah. And I think that's how it worked, really. Yeah. Um, but what a great film that I'd never seen, and. I think it's not spoken about as as much as it should be, this one. I mean, my experience with it, I saw it early 80s. I was early teens, 11, 12, 13, something mm. like that. And it was one of them, we talk about this all the time, one of them Friday night movies on BBC One. Mm. So you'd always get like the nine o'clock news, whatever drama would be on after that, and then a Sergeant Bilko... Yeah. Maybe they should say Sergeant Bill or The Outer Limits or something like that, oh, about God, half yeah. ten or something like that. And then it'll have the Friday night movie. And that's where I found things like Midnight Cowboy, Bullet, Marathon Man, all those sort of 70s stuff. And this just suddenly appeared one Friday night. And I think I'd missed the first 10, 15 minutes on my first viewing. Um, and it was about the time when the pair of them were on the road and they're just going through. And instantly it just grabbed me. I was hooked. Yeah. The relationship between them and the relationship works, I think because they're real life father and daughter. Yeah. And this was Tatum's uh, debut. She's only about 10 in this, isn't she? she? She's nine. Yeah. Uh, nine when she filmed it. Yeah. Outstanding. Absolutely. The, the best actor in the film. Was her compared to the adults? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just so believable. Perfect. Yeah, so perfect with her timing and the miserable face after time with the little <laughs> smiles sneaking through. Yeah. That the opening sort of scene where she's in the cafe, um, arguing. You owe me two hundred dollars. Oh my god! <laughs> Brilliant. Look, I know how you feel. I lost my ma too. I even lost my pa. I don't even know where my sister is. I wish I could tell you I'm your pa, but it just ain't like that. You met her in a bar room. Just because a man meets a woman in a bar room don't mean he's your pa. Eat your Coney Island. Well, then if you ain't my pa, I want my tuna dollars. Okay. I want my tuna dollars. I heard you through the door talking to that man. It's my money you got, and I want it. Now, you, you just hold on a second. 
I want my money. You took my $200. Will you quiet down? You hear? I want my $200. Hold on. Just hold on. Let me explain something to you. It ain't as if you was my pa. That'd be different. Well, I ain't your pa, so just get that out of your head. I don't care what those neighbor ladies said. I look like you that. You don't look nothing like me. You don't look any more like me than, than you do that Coney Island. Eat that damn thing, you hear? We got the same job. Lots of people got the same job. It's possible. No, no, it ain't possible. Same jaw don't mean same blood. I know a woman looks like a bullfrog, but that don't mean she's the damn thing's mother. You met my mom in a bar room. For God's sakes, child. You think everybody gets met in a bar room gets a baby? It's possible. Anything is possible, but possible don't make it true. And I want my money. Will you quiet down? You know what the trouble is with you? You've got no appreciation. All right. Maybe I did get a little money from that man, and you're entitled to that. But I'm entitled to my share for getting it for you, ain't I? Now, where do you think you'd be without me? You think them folks would spend a penny to send you east? No, sir. But who got you a ticket to St. Joe? Who got you a knee-high in a Coney Island? And threw in $20 extra. Not to mention 85 cents for that telegram. You wouldn't have had any of that without me. Now, I didn't have to take you, but I took you, didn't I? All right, I think that's fair enough. <sighs> We're both a little better off. You get to St. Joe, I get myself a little better car. Fair is fair. Now, drink your knee high and eat your Coney Island. I want my $200. For people that haven't seen it, I mean, there's a little bit more than the synopsis. There's a possibility that Ryan O'Neill is the father. Yeah. He turns up at a funeral of her mother. Who used to hang around in bars. (laughs) (laughs) Which, yeah. Um, And the funeral is like... The, the reverend and two friends, I think, yeah. or something like that. And they need to get the daughter, the girl, back to New Orleans for or the, Missouri, for the aunt, to, to wasn't it? Joseph, St. Joe. Yeah. To the, yeah, to the aunt. And they, this was a bit strange about it. Mm. They, this guy just turns up late at the funeral. Steal some flowers from steal, another grave. <laughs> steal some flowers from another grave, throws them into the <laughs> hole where the coffin is. And then... Having met him 30 seconds ago, mm-hmm. know he's going to Missouri somewhere. Oh, would you mind taking this nine-year-old girl with you that you've never met <laughs> um, just to get her to her aunt's? I'm like, I'll tell you, that would never happen in this day and age. <laughs> but also there's a sneaking suspicion that he may be the father because yeah. straight away they mention this thing that comes up all the way through the movie. They've got the same jaw, same yeah, jawline. Jawline, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got this dual line. But it's never confirmed throughout this movie no. that they are actually related, but I think they are. Oh, yes. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And again, like you said, we get this road movie where we discover that he is just a con man, basically. Yeah. And he's got this wonderful scam going on. He's got about six different scams <laughs> going on. The main one is that he he scans local newspapers through the obituary column. Yep. And in about a week or so after that, he will go and visit the widow. And he's got this printing kit in the back of the car. And he'll print the widow's name on a Bible. And he'll turn up and say, hello, I want to see Mr. Johnson. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Johnson's passed. Oh, not to worry, ma'am. It was just that I'm the the Kansas Bible Company yep. or something. And his name's Mr. Prey as well. I mean, come on. <laughs> Like it'd probably be believable if someone comes to your door after you've just had a debt. Oh, they ordered this sort of thing. Mm. I sell Bibles, and my name is Mister Prey. But then he just cons them out of like you know. He says that they paid a one dollar deposit. Yeah. So he, he normal what, goes it's, for it's eight dollars. Yeah, isn't so it? seven going with the dollar right. off. Yeah. yeah. But Addy sort of realizes that. They can twist this a little bit more yeah. by judging each one of yeah, the victims. She, she was assessing the situation yeah. with the police chief. It, it, she put it up to twelve dollars. Yeah. That's it. But then she's a marvelous one, isn't there? The, the rich woman, because yeah. you see her looking. There's a chandelier yeah, behind. So what is it? What gives her the thing? Is it the chandelier? And there's a piano or something. There's, in there's the... a piano in there, which was quite an expense. Yeah. And also, she looked down at her hands, and she had some quite bold jewelry. That was on it. Her. So she said that dollar's twenty-four. <laughs> and the woman didn't even blink and went, "I'll give you another five dollars for." Yeah. For what? But. 
going back a little bit, the reason that Addie latches on to the Ryan O'Neill character is that her mother was killed by a driver or a drunk driver. Yes, yeah. And Ryan O'Neill goes to his brother and essentially blackmails him. Yep. Saying that, look, we've got the upkeep of this young girl to think about. And they ask him for like thousands of dollars two, or something. Two thousand dollars. Yeah. And he says, I'll give you two hundred. And he's like, Okay, I'll take it. But Addy has overheard this conversation and all throughout the movie he's like, You owe me two hundred dollars. Yeah. It's and she's got a great mathematical brain because every time <gasps> he he gets some more money or they spend some in a blooming cafe, yeah. you owe me a hundred and thirty eight dollars and twenty five cents. Yeah. <laughs> she just and she keeps hold of the money throughout all this in like it's not a cigar box, but it's like this Cremo box or something. It does look it? like something that used to hold cigars. Isn't yeah, it? and she's in charge of all the money. And you see the money building up as they're going through these scams. And th- there's other things they do along the way, isn't there? The, do you want to talk about the twenty dollar bill? How much money we got in the box? Four hundred five dollars sixteen cents. Give me a twenty. The four. Give me a twenty. Come on. Where are we going? We're going to get us some fancy new outfits with this money you got from your Aunt Helen. I don't have no Aunt Helen. Oh, sure you do, honey. Come on, let me explain it to you. Yes, sir? Uh, I'd like an eye pen, a toothpaste, and a pack of Santa Sand. Uh, 20 and 5. 25. Yes, sir. There you go. 75 makes 1, 4 makes 5, 15 makes 20. Thank you very much. I don't need a bag. Yes? May I have a bottle of purple toilet water, please? That'll be 25 cents. There you go. Lady, you made a mistake. Huh? I give you $4.75. But I give you a $20 bill. Uh-uh. You give me a five. No, ma'am. It was a $20 bill. You give me a five, and I give you $4.75. It was a $20 bill. Got no 20s in with no fives. What's all the turmoil? What's going on here? This little girl gave me a $5 bill and I give her change. I give her a $20 bill. I know I did. It was a birthday present for my Aunt Helen in Wichita. And she wrote, Happy Birthday Addie on the end of it. You just go look and see. That's it right there. That's my $20 bill I got for my Aunt Helen in Wichita. Give the child her $20 bill. I'm giving it. Give the child her $20 bill, Miss Brownwell. Yes, sir. And give her a piece of candy, Miss Brownwell. Yes, sir. And pay attention to things, Miss Brownwell. Yes, sir. Oh, do you know what? Mm-hmm. I've I've had that done to me or okay. tried to do to me. That's a favourite one at the bar. Yeah. It, over here, it used to be, for some reason, people would write down the serial number of it yeah. rather than write the name on. Mm. So, well... They take out five twenties from a cash point, yeah. running in consecutive order, yeah. and then put a twenty pound. Someone else would pay with a twenty, get their change. Then you give them a fiver, and the next customer say, "No, I gave you a twenty. Yep. Look, it's this serial number, or in their case, it was it was a present from my aunt, it's written on the back of the to bill. Maddie yeah. with love. Yeah, Maddie, sorry, yeah. Um, Eddie." Yeah, <laughs> and then get the change from it. Um, the other one I've had done to me... The ringing the change thing, isn't it? It's very confusing mm. if you're a cashier. And I had to sort of watch this twice, and I still didn't quite get it. Real nice in that ribbon. First off, I didn't know, was she a boy or a girl? I'm a girl. Well, it makes all the difference. Ain't she got a sweet little face? Somehow. Oh, seeing how I just got paid today, we'll take a ribbon in each color. How much is that going to set me back? Well, that'll be 15 cents. Bought my grandchildren ribbons just like this last holiday time. Grandchildren? I don't believe it. You break a five? Well, you can believe it, all right. I'm just as old as I look. So now, here you be. That's one, two, three, four, five. You know, this old wallet of mine's about to bust its size. I'll give you five ones back. You give me that $5 bill. How many grandchildren you got all together? Well, I got two little granddaughters, nine-year-old and ten-year-old. 
two grandsons near 16. And I got a grandson 35 years old. Oh, come on, you're pulling my leg. <laughs> Why don't you just give me a $10 bill? Here's the five. The five wants it there. That way I won't be so quick to see it break apart. Six children, huh? My, I my, got my. a daughter, 51. Oh, now, I don't mean to be handing you no line, but that's just pretty hard to believe you got a 51-year-old child. <laughs> you can believe it, all right. Well, I'm afraid I'd have to see it to believe it. Much obliged. <laughs> see you again. Uh, Y'all come back. I used to work at a motorway service station mm. and done slightly differently, but say something costs £6. Yeah. They'd come in and give you a £20 note. Yep. So you'd go to give them £14 change. Yeah. They'd then get a load of change out of their pocket and go, do you know what? I think I've got it there. Yeah. So you have to pick it out for them. Yep. And just as they pick it out, they drop a few coins. Mm-hmm. And it's all about confusing Confusion, the person. Befuddling you, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, do you know what? Just take that and I'll g- give me the £20 back. And you end yeah. up giving them £10 more than you yeah. actually had, which is how they do it here. Very clever. It is. I'd, luckily, when I had it done to me, mm. I'd heard about it only about a month earlier yeah. that someone was doing it specifically at motorway service stations. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Because you've got that quick exit yeah. and you're away. Yeah. Right? And you've got very few regular customers. It's it's all about Yeah, you're just, not going to know, are you? Yeah. yeah. And as soon as they started on me, I was like, something don't feel right yeah. here. And he said, oh, just give me £20. And I went, no, you've already got £10 of it there. I'll give you 10 And he started to argue and went, do you want me to count my till? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just sort of walked off. <laughs> and I was very thankful. <laughs> yeah, that you've been pre-warned as such, yeah. But it's very clever, isn't it? And she soon picks up on this, doesn't mm, she? Does it herself, doesn't she? Yeah, and she becomes very confident. And in, in the way, she becomes the brains of the outfit. Mm. You know, he thinks he's got this lovely little scam going and all these little cons that he's been doing for years and years. But she suddenly introduces this new angle to everything. Yeah, because she was the first one to pipe up about the different Bible price because she was in the background. And it is, as you said, she assesses the situation, Mm. the the mark as well as the property and and how things are going. And because she's a nine-year-old girl, it just gives a more innocent evaluation of it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Very clever. Very clever the way they do it. We get this sort of in the, in the second act, we get introduced to Madeline Kahn. Now, <clears throat> this is the, they meet her at a carnival. The, and what, what's the name of the act? I can't what's the name of the Oh, it's head? Harlem no, Harim Dancers or something, something like, like that. And at, he keeps, at a blooming fairground. Yeah, and he's right, and he keeps queuing up to go back in like two or three times. Go, six times six he's been in. <laughs> but on that note, mm-hmm. the best line of the film. You did, huh? Ain't that fine? Mosley, you can have your photo took with me. Can't right now, sweetheart. Only take a minute. Not now, you hear me? But it's almost down here tonight. I won't be here after that. I can't help that now. Excuse me, understand? How many times are you going to see it? As many times as I like. That's how many times. You've seen it half a dozen times. And I might see it a half dozen more. Now, why don't you go play bingo or something? I don't want to play bingo. Well, then why don't you go write another love note to St. Roosevelt? Maybe I will. And stop standing around here checking on me. You don't have to worry. I ain't about to leave some poor little child stranded in the middle of nowhere. I got scruples too, you know. You know what that is, scruples? No, I don't know what it is, but if you got them, I sure bet they belong to somebody else. Best line in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) They end up hitching up with her, don't they? The the name, like Trixie Delight. Well, that was the name she was christened with, surely. (laughs) And you're like, it just makes you think of any of these American cop shows or whatever where they meet a stripper in a <laughs> oh, club called Candy or where. <laughs> and it's But she's got this personal maid, this black servant, this black it, Yeah, it is a not a slave, but obviously but it's, it's like no, this it's a, she bills her as a personal assistant, but she's yeah. basically just a dog's body, you know. Yes. Who and, again is in the movie, I think, quite young. I think she's meant to be like 14, 15. Yeah, but instantly her and Ad, Addie sort of like hitch up together and yeah. then, you know, because they've but got this. Addie is so bright mm. for a nine, 10 year old. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I've, I've got a slight segue. Mm. 
She lights up a fag in the car. And uh, in the bed. Starts sorry. in the bed at first in the hotel room. And I looked at that. I was stunned. And she actually inhales it as well. Did you? Yeah, know? I, I looked, and she <laughs> takes in and lets it drift out her nose, whatever. And you're thinking she is smoking that cigarette. It's not a fake. Yes. Yes, she's nine, ten in the film. This is blooming Ryan O'Neill's daughter. That <laughs> he's not only letting smoke in this film, which would never happen today. Yeah. But she's got experience of this. That was. Someone's Natural. either taught her how to smoke, <laughs> or she has actually smoked before. And these ain't like, smoking proper things. <laughs> <clears throat> that really threw me. That did. Yeah, she's the most adult actor in oh, this whole movie, crikey, yeah. isn't she? With Madeline Kahn, she, she susses her out immediately because Madeline Kahn's a gold digger. Mm, absolutely, you can tell that from the start. Yeah, yeah. So you know, she's brought in ostensibly to get a lift. From one place to another, I can't remember where they're going, but within an hour or two, he's, she's already got Ryan O'Neill to buy a new car, and you can tell it's a better car because <coughs> it's got yeah. white wall tires and yeah, bigger space, yeah, isn't it? yeah, and because that's the thing when they first get in the car with four of them all that luggage, well, you're thinking, where, off the side. where's that going? Yeah. No, it's strapped to the mud guards <laughs> and the plumbing bonnet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they end up, you know, and she's buying clothes. For, well, he's buying clothes for her. Mm. Addie and is it Imogen, I think her name is, isn't it? And, oh, did uh, uh, yeah, they hatch this plan to split the pair of them up. Yeah, when they stop at a sort of hotel. But it's a it's a classier hotel than what he's been staying in previously yeah. as well, if you notice, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because they've got like separate bathrooms and the original hotel he's he's sleeping on the floor with a carpet wrapped around him at one point you know because he's given the bed to Ed and they hatch this plan that Madeline Khan has this affair with the guy on the reception yeah because what is it she she asked so if uh, Addie asked the maid if Trixie would sleep with someone for five dollars or something like that or for twenty five twenty five I think it was and she, I can't remember her response, but it was a definite yes. <laughs> and they set up that she thinks she's going to be getting $25 out of it, and the other one just thinks he's getting a, a freebie, as it were, because <laughs> he sent her up. Was it chocolates he sent up to her? I can't remember. Because it was just yeah, a box. You never saw yeah, what was in it. Yeah. And again, looked like it could have been a cigar box, but True, all yeah. boxes then yeah. did. And and set it up so uh, Moe's would... Walk in on them. Yeah. And it's like, pack your bags, we're going. <laughs> yeah. And then they uh, travel to the next town and... Uh, we get the bootlegging story bootlegging, in the third yeah. act. So obviously this is set in 30s in the Great Depression. Yeah. Uh, still when uh, Prohibition Prohibition, was on. bootlegging's all going on. Yep. And he spots... Or, no, he doesn't spot. Addy mm. spots... John Hillerman. S- someone mm. keep going in and out, in and out. In today's age, if we spotted that, it'd be a drug deal. Of course, it would. Yeah, <laughs> but he spots it, or she spots it. He mm. he looks and knows it's bootlegging, so yeah. he sets up a con to steal his booze and sell it back. Sell to it him, back to which him, which is great. So they work out where this this booze is being stored, throw it all in the back of the car, and then. I know where you're going with it, good because Addy sits on top of the oh box. Oh my god! Now this isn't a stunt, kid. No. And he says, just hold on tight there. And this car, which is loaded high. Guys, you've got to see this film. It's loaded high with these crates of, supposedly full of bows. Or we mm. know there might be empty boxes for the sake of the movie. But we're talking about a 1930s car with, you know, probably the worst suspension in the world. Screeching around this corner, the boxes nearly fall out of the car with oh. Tatum O'Neill sitting on the top. Yeah, I really thought she was going to go. And I'm yeah. thinking... That that's again wouldn't be filmed now because the health and safety aspects, <laughs> or she'd have invisible chains on her or yeah. something holding her in. But yeah, it's crazy, and people did do silly things like did, that. Yeah, but um, it all backfires, doesn't it? Because it turns out that this guy that's the bootlegger, his brother is the local police. sheriff. Yeah, <laughs> also played by John Hillerman. Yes, and uh, a car chase ensues. <laughs> There's some great car chases in this, yeah. actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Once when they're first getting arrested, and then another when they're trying to 
flee them after yeah, they escape try, from the police station. They're trying to find the bridge over to Missouri, aren't they? Yeah. So it goes the wrong way. And, uh, which is when they go off into a side road. Yeah, they find this he farm. Says, oh, we've got to get rid of this car because it's known. Mm. So they trundle off a side road, find this ramshackle farm, <laughs> knock on a door, this blooming, well... Basically, it's Beverly Hills, believe it. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's just this toothless wonder appears at the door yeah. of his dressing gown. Yeah. Um, and offer to swap this really nice modern car. <laughs> this for... beat up old truck that you would have seen in a silent movie from My 1950. God, it was a platform with a cab and a lawnmower engine on the front, <laughs> wasn't it? And the door falls off when he opens yeah. it. <laughs> Which he refuses to swap. Even though, as he rightly says, Mose says, you could sell it and buy two, probably ten. Well, the thing is, he brings out the whole family, all the sons. Oh my God, yeah, it was, yeah. One of them's Randy Quaid. When I saw it, Mm. and for those of you who haven't seen it, he bets that he'd beat one of them at wrestling and then he'd be able to swap wrestlers. Wrestling. Wrestling. I didn't understand that. (laughs) I thought they'd originally said racing, but pronounced it racing. And it, yeah, wrestling. Um, so he he wrestles this Leroy <laughs> barefoot, barefoot. Which <laughs> what difference does wrestling barefoot make? I don't know. That's why I thought it was racing because he said with shoes on or barefoot. Oh, was in a running race? Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and beats him, knocks him out. But when I saw the face, I was like, "Why? Where do I know him from? He looks really familiar." I had to look him up, and I'm like Randy Bloody Quaid, and it's it's a, it's a skinnier Randy Quaid. Oh, very being, much so. But he's fucking tall. Mm. He's a big lump, isn't he? When you look at him, you yeah. Know? And yeah, he's <laughs> just this bunch of hillbilly farmers and their sons and all this. Like, yeah, you think when usually you've seen Randy Quaid after this was like in the Lam- National Lampoon films, yeah, and, or Independence um, Day or something. Yeah, like that, yeah, and he's definitely got a lot more yeah, weight on him, but. Yeah. Yeah, that was really surprising. Like I say, the cast wasn't huge, so you don't always expect to see people you know. And, and even then, he probably wasn't famous back then, was he? I no. I, I, oh, actually, I think, I believe he also appeared in What's Up, Doc? Oh, well, there you go. So he might be so one of Bogdanovich's like, yeah, Sometimes cast, directors yeah. keep the same yeah. actors, don't yeah. they? Yeah. And so, yeah, they take them, they, they swap for the van. He takes her. Home or home, allegedly to, to the, the aunt's to house, the aunt, in St. isn't it? Joe, yeah. um, which is a nice house, nice yeah. family. Yeah, but this has been going on for months, hasn't yeah. it? This is not a case of a few days. This is like six, seven, eight yeah. months. Yeah, and they've also made excuses along the way. Well, I could take you straight there, but we're passing these towns, so we could make money there and divert. And it's and not him that's leading that conversation. No. It's her, isn't it? Saying, you know, well, perhaps we could. And, and they've got about eight hundred dollars. Yes, in the box at this point, which they. But there's a there's a very clever bit in the police station, just backtracking tracking mm. a bit because they're trying to hide the money because they got six hundred dollars for the booze that they sold back yeah. to the bootlegger. So when when the bootlegger's brother, the sheriff, arrests them. He's trying to find evidence of this money to prove it's them, and she's got it hidden in her hat. Yeah. And she takes off the hat at one point, and it gets thrown on the floor, and it's, like, not in there because yeah. there's a lining yes. inside yeah. the hat and very clever the way they escape. But, yeah, she ends up back at the aunt's where she was originally supposed to be going. And stays for about ten minutes. Mm. He drives off down the road but stops to light a fag. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the aunt's going around, oh, I'll make you a bath, I'll give you a big piece of pie. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you see Addie running down the road, little suitcases. And a radio. She's always got the radio. Yeah. Jack Benny on the radio yeah, as she well. Likes yeah, the radio. Won't give too much away towards the ending and some of the finer points. I mean, we've really spoken in depth about the plot. It's a beautiful film. It's a great relationship. You couldn't, I don't think you'd have got that relationship between the two major stars. If they weren't my, um, father and daughter. daughter. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Some facts for you. Mr. Trivia, give, <laughs> give them to me. Well. So, obviously, this was directed by Mr. Peter Bogdanovich. Yes. Just wanted to say Bogdanovich. <laughs> <laughs> um, originally, the director was going to be John Huston. 
Oh, right, okay, because it's based on a novel, isn't it? It's so based it was... on Addie Prey. Came out the about a year before yeah. or something, yeah. And John Houston wanted Paul Newman and his daughter Nell Potts. Okay, so play. still sticking with the father-daughter um, thing. Houston left the project. Probably um, did Chinatown after that, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly that. And uh, because of Houston leaving, Newman wasn't interested. Okay, yeah. So Bogdanovich came on board, and obviously he'd just the year before worked with Ryan O'Neill. What's up, Doc? Yeah. Uh, and I think Tatum had been on set a few times. Okay. So brought her in to audition. potential sort of thing as well, yeah. Uh, so, and, yeah. and just uh, loved it. And, I mean, from the book, the book originally puts Addie's age at 12. Okay, she's a bit younger in this. Yeah, take, um, yeah, because they wanted to match it up. Mm. They they did reduce it to nine because that was uh, Tatum's age at the time. Yeah. But something that hit me that I read, mm-hmm. um, the last third of the book yeah. is not in the film. Oh, so there's a story we haven't seen then. Okay. Where we see them riding off into the dirt mm. after... Yeah, meeting not, up again. Yeah. Maybe a bit. Um, they actually go on to hit the big leagues yeah. because they partnered up with a fake millionaire. Right. And make real money. That's as much as I know. But Oh, this is interesting. Might have to so, read the book, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think... I mean... I think the film perfectly ended then. Yes. That's, that's yeah. the ultimate ride-off into the sunset. Yeah, happy ever after and all yeah. that, yeah. But would have been interesting to see... Where they went afterwards, thing. yeah. But they did try to rejuvenate this by, in 1970, tail end of 74, mm-hmm. they got Tatum O'Neill to star in a TV series yeah, called Paper Moon. And this is oh, this is actually filmed, is it? And uh, when the, there's apparently one season. Yeah. Um, Father Mose was played by Ryan O'Neill's brother. I can't remember his Brian. name. Brian O'Neill. <laughs> Brian O'Neill. <laughs> um, it lasted one season and got canned. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but whether that series does go further into what they did, or did I just went off on a different yeah. tangent? I don't know. Wow. Okay. Obviously, Tatum. I'm. I keep saying like I don't like Oscars. I'm not. You got a real good Oscars fact because I know it. Go on. I bet this really amazed you when you read this. And Tatum (laughs) O'Neill became the youngest ever recipient of the Best Supporting Actress at ten. At ten years old. Which totally. Absolutely agree with that decision. She was fantastic. Do we know who else was in contention? Yeah, Go Madeline Kahn. <laughs> what a kick in the balls that must for be. Trixie Delight. She was <laughs> in the movie <laughs> ten minutes. What a kick in the balls that was. Beaten T- by a ten. Tatum was in it. Yeah, but Tatum was in it the whole film. She could have even got. I believe. I mean, she was there as best supporting, best actress. Yeah. What? Why was she supporting? She was. Sharing the limelight with her father. In fact, I think she probably outshines her father yeah. in this, as we've said. Here we go. I'll tell you who else was up for it. 1973, the 46th Academy Awards. Won by Tate O'Neill for Paper Moon. It wasn't quite unknown for her to be so young. Guess who else was up for it? Linda Blair for The Exorcist. Oh, geez, yeah. She would have been... <laughs> A little bit older, yeah, possibly. 12. Uh, Candy Clark for American Graffiti. Wow. Right. Uh, Madeline Kahn, Paper Moon, and then Sylvia Sidney for Summer Wishes, Winter Dreams. Wow, that's a very bizarre year. And we've done a few of those films recently. (laughs) We've done three of them. Well, we've actually covered, yeah, three of those out of the four. It was just a great portrayal by any actress to have done that. Someone of only nine when she made it Mm -hmm. and her first ever role. Obviously, she's been around acting, and she's been on film sets and everything. So it's not that unknown, she's had it, that yeah. experience. Do you know what I think that the the trick is? Is it, she made it look like she wasn't acting? Yeah, that was the thing. It was so natural, and like you said, it's just those funny little looks and the asides that, and the cheeky there was smiles. Only one and, tiny bit in it where mm. I thought, oh, 
that felt a bit uneasy. Yeah. And that was, it was something as simple as, I think she walked into the hotel they were staying at where Mm -hmm. they planned to split them up. Yeah. I think she walked up to the table. Yeah. And she just looked a bit rehearsed, a bit stiff, sort of walking up. And that was the, the, Worst criticism I can give her. But then, is it because she was playing somebody that was acting exactly, out? Exactly. Yeah. It, it, a scene, you know. She's probably done it so well. She's done it as somebody that is being awkward. Right early on, mm. where they're in the first cafe. Well, before they go in the first cafe, in the Coney Island. Yes. <laughs> um, he says, "I'll buy you the Coney, Coney Island, Island and a knee high." Yeah. And I was like. My ears just pricked up and went, knee-high? Mm. So I've typed into Google, knee-high. Yeah. Nothing comes up apart yep. from tights or stockings or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I carry on watching the film a bit. And then I see that there's a bottle yeah. of soda. Yeah. And it's knee-high, N-E-H-I. And there's a poster behind him as well. Oh, I didn't spot that. Yeah, in the calf, yeah. So... I then Googled it. So, Knee High, mm. which came around in about 1925, yep. eventually became Dr. Pepper no. owned, which then has been bought up by the Snapple Group. All right. Okay. So, yeah, it's all part of Dr. Pepper now, yeah. but it still sort of exists. N-I-H-I, wasn't it? N-E-H-I. N-E-H-I, yeah. yeah. If you look in that scene, he's eating like a, a meringue pie thing. Yeah, She's got the hot dog of the Coney Island, as they call it. Yeah. But behind him, there is a poster for knee-high as well, and it's yeah. written on the bottle. Yeah. yeah. Did you yeah. want some relish on that? As he puts about <laughs> 10 gallons on. <laughs> Can't have a Coney Island without relish. What the heck? <laughs> you owe me $200. <laughs> Paper Moon got its name after... Is it the song? Yeah, well, it was after the song, yeah. Mm. Bogdanovich didn't particularly like the name Addy Prey. As the title of the movie, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. So he was researching music for the movie mm. to, to fit in with those times. Yeah. Obviously came across the song Paper Moon, mm. went to the studios and wanted it changed to that. Which, yeah. And, you know, there's the scene of her at the fair... The photograph. Sitting on the paper moon, yeah. which you see right at the end, which yeah. is quite touching. Moment. That is lovely. Yes. That was shot specifically so the studio would allow him to use the title. So he created that scene just yeah. to get he around He put it. that in so it could be because advertised. In this day and age where music is so accessible with mm. Spotify and iTunes and all of that, we could listen to any track we wanted to if we wanted to right now we could log in boom we could listen to there's a credit right at the beginning or at the end with thanks to so and so for his record collection did you notice that yeah i can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head but they thank the guy that they borrowed the old 78s and that from for the soundtrack thanks to mr smith brilliant for his record collection so not not for copyright purposes just for the fact that this guy something like that yeah Yeah. i'm not sure if that's correct or not but that's the way i interpreted it that you know they they had to sort because it wasn't freely available no apart from private collections no you wouldn't have had any service that you could get that you'd have had to go to a library and a a very, very good... The BBC Library is yeah. always renowned, isn't it, for their record, or it was mm. for their record collection. But as I say, today, it's a press of a button. You wouldn't... Kids of today... Go on. During the war, yeah. ...would not realise that we used to go to the library for music or videos. Yeah. It's, I mean, the library, to them, is just a place for books. Yeah. And they can now go on the internet or whatever. They still do it, though, don't they? They've still got... CDs and DVD collections in libraries now, but who actually uses them? No, I can't say that. I mean, you can understand for research purposes, you can go and listen to a track in its original state. Yeah. But to borrow a CD? Yeah. 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 Not for me and you. We would (laughs) just so I can rip it straight onto my computer. Yeah. I mean, this week, I'm off work this week, as you know, and I've been sort of decorating the man cave. It says not a euphemism. <laughs> Using some Emac. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's sculpted the man cave and then I'm going to have a pot around the lady garden later. And <laughs> I had to, it's, it's, as you know, it's, it's where I keep all my DVDs, my CDs, my books and all that. There's 800 CDs up there. 
Wow. Gathering dust. Yeah. Because I can't remember the last time I physically took a CD out of its case. I couldn't even tell you who my CD player is at the moment because of Spotify and iTunes. And gone are the days, we're really drifting off topic here, but I don't care, <laughs> but gone are the days where we we spoke about this on Fading to Grey, the 80s podcast, where you'd buy an album, a piece of vinyl, and you'd play it from start to finish. You'd turn that over physically and play mm. side B. Very rarely now will I do that with an album unless it's something I'm really familiar with on Spotify. Yeah. Be like, I want to listen to a particular album because I want that experience of listening to all 12 tracks or whatever mm. it may be. And I'm in two minds as whether to get rid of these 800 CDs at the moment. They're in bags upstairs. I really don't know. Yeah. You, trouble is you'd get so little money for them. They've got no monetary value no. at all. No, it is a shame. And, and CDs, see, vinyl is much better value now yeah but cds are so throwaway almost because that's the generation it came out in it yeah. was that disposable. disposable we're now going back into recycling and appreciating stuff yeah uh, and then it was just like no we'll just churn them out yeah so i've now got to make the decision that there's this huge pile of cds upstairs do i buy a nice new cd unit to put them all on a display so they can gather even more dust Buy yourself a terabyte hard drive and transfer them all onto there. No point. I can get them on Spotify. True, yeah. You know, it's it's not a case of owning them physically yeah. when I can access them. Mm. So, who knows? Listeners, please tell me what I yeah. should do. You want any cheap CDs? <laughs> I'll be reading out a list in next week's episode. <laughs> a to Z, here we go. ABBA, ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> So, in conclusion, unless you've got some more trivia there. No, no, I'm I'm triviaed out. I usually go first with the ratings. Give me yours first this Ten. time. No no question about this. Love the film. My god. I I I hoped you'd enjoy it. I didn't expect a ten out of ten from you. I was I was thinking seven yeah. or eight possibly, but As you say, the film gets you from the start. And it just builds and builds with this beautiful relationship mm -hmm. of comedy and Connery. Connery? Is that a word? Yeah. Sean Connery. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it's just, as, as we said, that the novel goes on further, but the film was stopped at a perfect, perfect moment to yeah. do it. And I think without reading the, the actual proper ending, mm -hmm. I, I think that's possibly better. Yeah, one hour and 40 minutes or whatever it was. Black and white movie from 1973. Yeah. I really didn't think it would get you to that degree. No, the, the filming of it, as I said at the start, with, with the filter on to make it look older. Mm. And that's the thing. You, you do look at it. I was looking at it as if it was made in the 50s. It does look like a 50s movie. Yes, it does, yeah. To be made in 73 and to look like that yep, was was a great, great bit of Plus you've got the soundtrack as well that doesn't, ate, that doesn't date it, does mm. it? Because it's got that soundtrack of the era. Yeah. It's a five-star movie for me. This is why I brought it to you. And mm. I think it's a movie that isn't spoken about as much as it should be. And the fact that she won the Best Supporting Actress yeah. Oscar at the age of 10... It's fantastic. Um, yeah. I am surprised I've not come across this before. Mm -hmm. um, not shown on TV, really? No, I, no. I, I've not seen it on TV at yeah. all. And I've, apart from yourself, I've not heard anyone mention it. Yeah. So, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed the film. Fantastic that you uh, brought it to my attention, and I shall be watching it again soon. Marvellous. So we've had two good weeks of... Two movies that I think we both really appreciated. Yeah, yeah. 73 was a pretty good year for It's also American Graffiti as well, we just yeah. remembered as well. And The Exorcist. Yeah. Let's have a look later and see what else is in 73. There must be some more. Okay, with what's coming up next time, we've got a couple of announcements, I think, because we've got episode 150 is on the horizon. So we've got to decide what we're watching for that. We've got to decide what we're watching after that. 
and I've got to let you know, Paul, what's happening in episode 149, which you are not part of. <laughs> Back after this. <laughs> to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way. Okay, Paul, the next episode is episode 149. Seven years down the line. We're heading towards our seventh anniversary as well in July. That's a long time to be doing a podcast. Too long. But many people have told me to stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> episode 149, you're not part of, mate. It's going to be myself, Stephen. No, I'm sorry, mate. We, we made this decision without you. Myself, Stephen and Anthony from the John Lennon um, Glass Onion podcast, who's been okay. on previously, did Raging Bull with us. We are going to be looking at the John Wayne classic, The Searchers, for episode 149. Yep. Now, we put our heads together for 150. It's not a massive sort of landmark episode, 150. You know, we'd rather celebrate 100, 200, whatever. We thought we'd mark it by doing something a little bit different. What have we done? We've thrown the rule book out the window. <gasps> Was Scott's there a rule rules book? have been broken. <laughs> Was there a rule book? There, there was to a certain degree. Well, yeah, there, I get told off when I come back with a <laughs> anything over uh, under thirty years old. The no. Interstellar, I came back with once. Didn't yeah, I? well, it, I think the original ruling was nothing in the past ten years. Yeah, but you still regard nineties as modern. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I struggle with the eighties stuff. I think that's still a new movie. You know, <laughs> so we put our heads together and we said, you know what, let's do a, a fairly new one. Mm. This is fairly new. We're talking this, last summer, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, this is last year. But it's such a, I think, quite a groundbreaking film. 
especially critically acclaimed, but uh, it's one of those that not only critics but the general public like. Mm-hmm. Not just the film buffs, but everyone. I no. I do not know anyone of my friends that's seen this film and hasn't liked it. Mm. It's mainly down to the central performance, I think. One character. It, it's almost a monologue of a film, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's... How many times have you seen it before we reveal what it is? I've only seen it once. So have I, and... I've been wanting to yeah, watch it I've again. been holding back because <laughs> I sort of knew this was coming. I, I can't wait. Tell the listener what it is, mate. It's from 2019. It's... It is the Joker. Oscar-winning performance from Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. BAFTA-winning performance from Joaquin Phoenix. Let's give it a go. I mean, we don't do new movies. This is a chance. We used to have an amnesty. Very occasionally. Yeah. And I think it'd be nice to reintroduce that once in a while because... Movies were still being made ten years, you know, in the last ten years. Yeah, um, and I think we need to examine some of them. So, we've also sort of been thinking and talking today that we've avoided some of the massive, massive movies for, for no particular reason than they are just popular. Yeah, a notable example: we we said Star Wars, yeah. Back to the Future, yeah. Jurassic Park, all of those we've I, never I think, covered. I think. A part of what why we've avoided them is because there's so many podcasts out there all doing movies mm. and everyone has got its uniqueness to them. I think we'd say we'd steered away from blockbusters. Yeah. And it's not necessarily purposely done. Is it because everything has been said about them? Is there anything yeah. we can add? That's it. Uh, and the fact that we, we're trying to, as, as you started this off, as a classic movie podcast. Yeah. And there's many, many more classic movies than just the blockbusters. Yes. Yeah. But I think we've gone so much in the opposite direction. Mm. We've ignored the chance to bring forward a favourite blockbuster. That's what we've, we've avoided our favourites. Yeah. That's what it, we've been guilty of. It's like Blues Brothers, which we've done a couple of episodes ago. Bloody enjoyed that. Which Carry was on. a huge film. Yeah. And we've both enjoyed recording them. Hopefully, from the bit of feedback that we've had, the listeners... Yes. There's at least two of you now. Both, um, both, both listeners enjoyed, <laughs> enjoyed. enjoyed both those episodes, yeah. Because everyone has their own personal memories to either the first watch of this film or the history it has yeah. with them. So we're not necessarily going to take a different route from now on, but we're going to be a bit more open. Yeah, and not be afraid to bring forward the big names. Yeah. And, you know, perhaps I may focus on some of the more golden age of Hollywood stuff with different guests, but me and you, I think we know where we're going from now on. Is that what we're saying? With the occasional amnesty as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. can certainly throw in some amnesty ones. Well, it's about time. Seven years down the line, 150 episodes in. Mind you, we can go back to 2010 now, so I'm sure... Oh, dear God, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we can find some without breaking the amnesty. True. Let's see how we go. Let's see how we go. I'm looking forward to this. The joke I'm definitely looking forward mm. to. So, what we're going to do also, we're just going to sort of break with tradition as well, because, you know, after the Joker, we'd announce what we're doing for 151. Let's just, you've made a decision for your next choice, and I've made a decision for mine. See, I don't know your decision, no, so I I'll go yours. first. I know, I'll act surprised when you tell everybody. Go on. <laughs> um, so, after the macabre, melancholy film that will be The Joker, I want to bring some light into the darkness. <laughs> so, I've gone for the 1980 classic Airplane. <sighs> One of the funniest movies ever made. <laughs> I love this film, but I have not seen it in its entirety mm-hmm. for a good decade or so. Probably the same with me, because we all yeah. have seen YouTube clips yeah, of Shorty This Pop used to be one of those films I could recite word yeah. for word. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. We've just got to be careful that we don't just sit there and just yeah, recite just, the lines. Yeah. We, we, we could probably act it out between <laughs> us. For me... Uh, am I going to like this? Yeah, I think you will. I'm going comic book. Okay. I'm going superhero. Oh, 
I know what you're going to say. I'm going my favourite comic book superhero movie. I know what you're going to say. Because you know that I love this guy, don't you? And you yeah. Know I love this interpretation. And I think I'd better pack my bags. <laughs> don't you like it? Um, not a huge fan. I think you need to watch it again. It's Superman from 1978. When did you last watch it? It's not the one with a silly alien... The other one's in, dressed in black comes down as Superman. Four, two or three. isn't it? Oh, okay, it's the so, first one. So this is more it's the origin story. Yeah, it's no, Clark that, that, Kent, Lois Lane at the yeah. Daily Planet. Yeah, I love the story of it's it. It's Marlon Brando. It's it's, yeah. it's the big one. Yeah, it's the big one. Why you're looking at me with disgust almost? No, no, I just was never a huge fan, and still am never a huge fan of Superman. Why did you not? When did you last see it? Uh, when I was a kid, probably. Right, you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have your opinion, but you're wrong. You have your opinion, and and mine is better. <laughs> um, please watch this movie. I will, and I'll watch it with an open mind. What we were saying about popular classics, this this falls smack bang in the middle of it, mate. It's the first big superhero movie. You can keep your Captain Bloody Marvel and your bloody Iron Man shit. Oh, that's Brie Larson. Yeah, I know. I'll keep her. <laughs> but, but this is this is where it all began, and this is where it ended for me, mate. I tell you. Huh? I'll I'll watch it with an open mind, please. Okay, so one four nine, The Searchers. One fifty, The Joker. One five one, Airplane. One five two, Superman. We know where we're going. Hopefully some more restrictions might have been lifted by the time yeah. we get back together again. If not, I think it's more of the same. Paul, thank you for being here today. It's been really great to see you, actually, because... It has been lovely to get out of the house and <laughs> speak to a human. Well, well as, human. as close as you can yeah. get. <laughs> I'll be back for 149. I'll see you for 150. Thanks for listening, guys. Paul, see you soon, mate. See you soon. Management of this theater suggests that for the greater entertainment of your friends who have not yet seen the picture, you will not divulge to anyone the secret of the ending. Astrid Arms, that infernal jamboree is worse than two cats on a fence. You dudes get lost now, you hear? Good night, ladies. Good night, sir. When you fail down, try positive thinking. That's what I told the man said, don't wear a frown, try positive thinking, laugh at your troubles instead. You've got to look on the bright side, on hope so much depends, with your confidence sinking, positive thinking helps you on the way, my friend. When things look black, try positive thinking. Treat every season as spring, no glancing back. Try positive thinking, trust what tomorrow may bring. This crazy world that we live in will keep on spinning round. But with good, strong, positive thinking, we'll get together and life won't let us down. Shut up, you're ugly. Oh, shut up. We enjoy it.